we're recording during the start of the Illinois State Fair. X-Men Beast and Kitty Pride both hail from Illinois. What's something that one of these X-Men would do during the fair? Um, I'm going to start this week because the only thing that I can think of is Beast getting like a bag of cotton candy and getting it just all over his fur. And that just made me smile so much. Matt, what about you? Well, I had had one idea, but now that you mentioned Beast and the cotton candy, I kind of just thought of another idea. And it would be Beast going down the giant slide and then wandering around shocking people for fun. (laughs) I love it. I could do that. (laughs) Lydia, what about you? For some reason, I'm just imagining Kitty Pride going to like one of the mirror houses and just phasing through all the mirrors to screw with everyone else that's in there. (laughs) <laughs> yes a very fun fun house <laughs> yes maybe not for the other people at all but yeah <laughs> right tabitha what do you think uh so my favorite thing to do at the fair i do two things at the fair i get cotton candy and i pet a pig that's all i want to do at the fair and <laughs> kitty pride and i have a lot in common so i think kitty pride would go to the fair and then sneak in and steal the pig <laughs> yeah that sounds about right that sounds yeah. about right i like that option better <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket. All right, so we are going to try to get through as much as we can in as little time as possible um, because... We are doing this via Zoom again this week since I live so close to the State Fair that it would mess up everybody's life to try to get you all here. Um, And I am too cheap to pay for a month of Zoom for what is likely the only week that we'll actually use it. So we're on a time limit and it is what it is. That said, last weekend uh, we were at C2E2. Uh, Not only did we come home with a bunch of books, art, and merch, but we also came home with some interviews uh, with some really cool people. Stay tuned to our YouTube page for videos of the interviews and check out our special episode with these interviews, as well as interviews from Fan Expo Chicago. Uh, That special is coming soon. Uh, I promise. I promise. (laughs) I promise. I really, really promise. So... Uh, And then also real quick, speaking of the State Fair and the State Fair Parade, um, the Illinois State Fair, as we kind of talked about a minute ago, it means a lot of things to us. Corn dogs, lemonade shakeups, a cow made of butter. But to us, it also has a special meaning. Um, We recorded our first episode during the Twilight Parade seven years ago. Wow. To put it into context, like what? uh, Somebody that was born that same day is what? Going into second grade? grade. The Geek Awakens is in second grade. Yeah. The Geek Awakens. That that checks out. My youngest. Yeah. Yeah. We're (laughs) we're about that mature, too. So, I mean, totally maths (laughs) out. Um, But uh, 
In that time, we've met some amazing people and have hopefully made a few people laugh other than just ourselves. Um, thanks for being along for the ride, and we can't wait to see what comes next. Um, any anniversary thoughts, wishes, whatever for the rest of you guys? Kind of still amazed that it's been seven years. Right. Yeah, does not seem that long. I mean, I, I can't say that I think when we started this that we would still be at it now. Yeah. And I think I've been on the show for five of those years now, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Does not does not seem that long. <laughs> and it really like, yeah, you're right, Matt. When we first started, this seemed like something we would do for a month and then forget about. So mm -hmm. way to go us. I'm proud yeah. of us. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into the pull list. And we're going to start tonight with Rick and Morty Crisis on C-137, Issue 1. Uh, it's now out now from Oni Press, written by Stephanie Phillips, with art by Ryan Lee. Um, in this issue, Rick, Morty, and Noob Noob go on a mission to save the galaxy from a threat from beyond time. Um, Tabitha, I know you love Rick and Morty. Um, what were your thoughts on this issue? Um, this felt like another Rick and Morty episode. Uh, this going into like a new story arc has me interested to see where we go with this for sure. Um, I've had some issues with a few of the Rick and Morty, uh, story arcs because it just didn't feel authentic to the plot line. This one, it feels like it's getting us back into it. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of fun with this. This was something as someone who is a Rick and Morty novice, uh, I found myself enjoying because yes, it's a Rick and Morty story, but it's also a sci-fi story. You know, like you could have easily changed some of these characters around and it would have had, you know, the, the same effect. Um, I did think though that um, Morty's family, uh, Beth, Jerry and Summer. Did I get those names right? Yes. Um, I felt that they were almost shoehorned in. I didn't think that... <laughs> Hi, Watson. <laughs> um, I thought that it was almost like they were done with the issue, and then they were like, oh, crap, we forgot about these characters. We got to fill them in somehow. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I enjoyed it. I'm excited to see where it goes. Matt, what about you? Yeah, that moment where um, where everybody showed up was just like, um, why are they even here? It was like, it was a throwaway. Like, oh, well, we have to get the family in. So we're just going to add them in. Yeah. Um, which at that point, just just cut them. Just leave them out. Like, it's, it's not necessary. Like, you do not need Jerry in every issue you or every Jerry. episode you or ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, no, it definitely felt more, yeah, like, like Tabitha said, we've had some of those where they didn't really feel like a Rick and Morty story. This one definitely does. Um, the only thing really for me was that some of the gore seemed a little out of place for Rick and Morty. Um, it just seemed a little realistic for Rick and Morty. Usually it's a little more, uh, punchy is not the right word, but like cartoony, cartoony or animated. And this was like kind of brutal. So that just pulled me out of the story a little bit, but still um, I'm still here for the rest of this ride. 
Um, this is kind of a surprise because I knew that nobody else was caught up, so I didn't officially add this to the pool list. But also out now from Valiant is Archer and Armstrong Forever, number four, uh, written by Steve Fox with art by Marcia Fiorito. Uh, so the eccentric wants Armstrong for his collection. Archer wants Armstrong back to normal and immortal. Um, this issue promises something that will change Arm- Archer and Armstrong forever. Hence the name of the comic. Um, I continue to really enjoy this book. Um, Given the, and like I said, it's out now, so I'm not spoiling it too much. But given the description that, you know, that we were given the way that my mind works, the twist that they promised, I kind of saw coming from a mile away, but I'm still here for it. I still think that it's going to lend itself to an interesting dynamic with, you know, with this team. Uh, This is just, it's fun. It's silly with a book like Archer Armstrong. It doesn't take itself seriously, nor should it. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. We got a couple of books from vault that are coming out next week. Uh, The first one we're going to talk about is barbaric ax to grind um, written by Michael Morrissey with art by Nathan Gooden. Owen, Axe, and Soren are back, this time to get revenge on Gladius, who wronged Owen in his barbarian days. Um, Matt, what did you think? Um, so, a little extra information here. I stopped by the vault booth when we were at C2E2, and they had copies of this issue out. So, I flipped through this issue before I read it uh, yesterday, and the guys at the vault booth basically told me what we already know. This is over the top. It's gory. It's funny. Um, and, and this just delivers from beginning to end um, with that story. There is a lot of story in this issue in the 30 some pages that we get. There's a lot going on. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that none of any of it really feels rushed. Um, I will say 100% my favorite moment in this entire issue, though, is when Axe gets drunk on the uh, giant, literally giant vampire blood and is hiccuping in the bar. Like he can't have anything else because he's still hungover. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Speaking of that vault booth, uh, they had an Axe replica and I am so mad that I didn't get a picture with with Axe. Um, Would have made my life. But (laughs) here we are. Yeah, I, I love this series. This series, it's it's ridiculous because one of the main characters, like we've talked about before, is an ex that gets drunk off of blood. It's wonderful. I love every second of it. But yeah, you're right, Matt. There's, there's a lot of moving parts with this first issue, but I didn't feel lost at all. The other character, um, Steel, mm-hmm. it's been a minute since I've read the first arc of barbaric so i don't remember if he was a character in there but regardless i'm really interested in this character um as a another dynamic to you know to the team um i'm kind of i'm kind of interested to see where where he is um yeah i loved it tabitha um this has been one of those things that like i either really like an issue or i'm just kind of like blah about an issue and until about a little over midway through, I was being kind of blah about this issue. And then they ended up on that boat. <laughs> and I love a seafaring adventure. 
and then a kraken showed up and ate a whale and then it was just the best <laughs> and like the scene where that where the axe was like begging him to throw him into the water because of all the blood churning was just it was beautifully done so this was a kind of a mixed bag for me like I was kind of bored and then I was very excited so I enjoyed myself it's one of those things that I will continue to read also out August 17th again from Vault uh, Heart Eyes number one written by Dennis Hopeless with art by Victor Ibanez Uh, so after humanity is taken out by sanity eating monsters few are left behind in cracks of a broken world Rico meets Lupe who happens to be the girl of his dreams But how did she get there? This is really bizarre um, in a good way. I I should preface that. Um, It's it's one of those post-apocalyptic stories, which uh, Tabitha has said that she is boycotting post-apocalyptic stories. I understand. I get it. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, it it was one of those like it gave you it gave you just enough of a preface while still kind of like throwing you into this moment, um, which I, I appreciated that. I really want to know more about these monsters. Um, and also I feel like Lupe has way more information than she's letting on right now. Um, Matt, what do you think? So speaking of that information and this, I'm not going to spoil this because this doesn't come out just yet. But there is a big reveal, essentially, at the end of the first book, literally the first page, that kind of gives you some idea of what Lupe brings to this story. I love the the idea. I love the Lovecraftian feel for the monsters. But this story kind of had me lost until basically that last page. Um, I didn't know where we were going. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know why it was happening. Um, finally got some of that at the end. Um, the other thing, and this is maybe just me, but maybe the way I read it, but there was one moment early on where Lupe gets rescued and she is down in the sewers with, um, with Rico. Diego. Rico. Rico. Um, and he says something about how this is great. You never have to go above water. And then three pages later, they're on top of a building all over the place, like other parts of the city. I'm like, so do you live in the sewers or do you not live in the sewers? That seems to conflict. So I don't know. I'm a sucker for Lovecraftian. And as much as Tabitha hates post-apocalyptic, I'm a sucker for that too. So I'm here for the rest of this ride. Nice. So, all right. We are... We've still got a few stories to talk about with gut reaction. So let's get into gut reaction right now. Oof, gut reaction. First thing I want to talk about, and this is a really condensed version of what we could talk about because honestly, we could have spent the entire 40 plus minutes talking about this. But um, as we all know by now, Warner Brothers Discovery has decided to not release Batgirl, um, among other projects that have already been announced. This is all part of a reset and a new 10-year plan for DC. Um, Fans and DC employees alike weren't happy, um, with multiple people in the film division being upset. DC Films president Walter Hamada almost left after learning Batgirl's fate, 
but was convinced to stay at least through Black Adam's release. Slightly unrelated, but can't help but to also mention this. Uh, Ezra Miller is also making things difficult for DC. Um, Ezra's behavior as of late, including their recent felony burglary charge, has Warner Brothers Discovery weighing options, including shelving the entire project. I got to give this whole thing a thumbs down. I I think there are way more people who want to see Batgirl than who didn't want to see Batgirl. And if it's already basically done, like, oh, why are you, why are you shelving it at this point? Um, even if it's as bad as you say that it is, um, I guess, let us be the judge. This whole 10 year plan probably should have thought of that before announcing all these projects. And if, you know, you still wanted a 10-year plan, then make that plan work with the projects that you have announced. This is coming from somebody who makes, makes way less money than the higher-ups at DC slash Warner Brothers Discovery, but you know, hey, it is what it is. Thumbs down. Tabitha. Yeah, same. DC has never been my favorite as far as the film or TV franchise goes. However, at this point, it kind of looks like they're almost taking themselves, which is kind of weird. And also part of me has a hard time believing that Batgirl was so bad that they just had to cancel it versus for tax or like cut reasons. So thumbs down for the whole situation. Lex Luthor as president and CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery confirmed. Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely something we could spend the entire time talking about. Um, The 10 year plan, which knowing DC and all of the times that they're going to push movies back and read and change release dates. Let's be real. This is a 15 year plan. Easy. The fact that they're canceling Batgirl, which is almost done. And Ezra Miller is literally in legal trouble. And they said that he was evading authorities during reshoots at one point now. Um, But the only one of the possibilities for the flash movie is to shelve it like i just i don't i don't understand what they're doing and i don't know that they do either um so i'm gonna go thumbs down for the whole thing ezra miller was too fast for the police lydia (laughs) wow um yeah so we we have talked on many occasion about how DC is just not that great when it comes to movies anyway. Their strong suit seems to be more like the TV shows and stuff. So just this whole thing feels like more of an excuse to, you know, not try to do the movies. And I don't see why they would shelve something that's that close to being done. I get the whole debacle with Ezra Miller and if that's causing that much of an issue at this point recast the dude like don't use that as an excuse to just shelve a bunch of stuff and not do it so this whole thing just gets a thumbs down yeah matt let's talk about netflix games um well we're if we talk about it we're less than uh one percent of their subscribers that use the service um netflix has 221 million subscribers service (laughs) that they were gonna pump all this money and effort into uh you know i know it's like less than a year into this but you still only have 24 games less than one percent of your population uses it just go the dc been scrolling through netflix and i still couldn't tell you a single 
game that they have. Uh, are they original games? Are they games that are licensed in Netflix? I don't know because I don't care. Thumbs down, Tabitha. I want to know what Netflix spent all of the marketing money for Netflix games on because it obviously was not Netflix games because I also not realized this is like hard launched because like Lydia, I had a memory of it happening, but I pull up Netflix fairly frequently. Haven't even noticed. So <laughs> down to them and someone should fire their marketing department. So Marvel has announced a new Deadpool ongoing series. Uh, Deadpool gets a new number one in November with writer Alyssa Wong and art by um, Martin Coloco. This team promises, quote, riotous violence and relentless body horror. Uh, this is the first solo Deadpool series since the last one ended in January 2021. I'm giving this a thumb sideways. Uh, by the time that last Deadpool series ended, I was over it. Uh, in fact, I think I probably already you know, stopped pulling it. And um, I think this time has been a very nice break from Deadpool. I still like the character. I just feel like he had gotten overkill um but uh, but yeah if this had a creative team that i was excited about i might pick up the first issue but Alyssa wong sounds familiar i couldn't tell you what she's written and martin i i have no idea so i don't see myself picking up number one tabitha yeah, I have had no interest in Deadpool pretty much ever. Deadpool's humor is not the kind of humor that I tend to find funny. So I've not read any of these, so I really don't have a horse in the game. So I'll join you on your thumb sideways. Matt? Maybe there are times where, yes, characters should take a break. Um, Deadpool at one point had something like seven different series going all at the same time along with the movie. Like let let sleeping dogs lie um and maybe it's not quite time to bring him back um you know, do it as a reveal in the midst of an event or something like that you know make it poignant make it special instead of just like relaunching new number one i don't know i i think i'm with you as thumb sideways yeah lydia I mean, I don't really like comic book a whole lot anyway, so I don't think I've ever actually read a Deadpool comic. But I feel like even though I love Deadpool as a character, there's only so much you can do with him. So relaunching a series for him over and over is going to get stale no matter what you try to do. So good luck to them, but thumb sideways for me. Um, Lydia, um, my notes for this story in in, in my uh, lineup just says the toys are back in town um take it away <laughs> so toys are us is rising from the dead um apparently uh macy's acquired the uh rights to the company for toys are us back in march of 2021 after the last two remaining uh toys are us stores closed uh due to the pandemic um, so this year they are launching nine Toys R Us locations in, inside the Macy's stores across the uh, U.S. that are supposed to all be complete by October 15th so that they are ready for the holiday season. Um, the locations are ranging from uh, 1,000 square feet to 10,000 square feet inside Macy's stores. 
Um, there are stores that are listed uh, for California, Georgia, New Jersey, New York, Nevada, Louisiana, Maryland, Missouri, and surprisingly enough, because we never get anything Illinois. Um, Macy's apparently reported as well that uh, their earnings for the first quarter of 2022 uh, the toy sales were 15 times higher than the period prior to the Toys R Us acquisition. So apparently they're doing something right. Um, a little sad that it's not their own stores. Kind of get it. But hey, a piece of our childhood's come back. So that makes me happy. So thumbs up for them. And there are apparently more locations that are being uh, listed after this as well. So maybe Toys R Us is going to make a good comeback, guys. Um, I'm going to give this a thumb sideways for right now, um, only because I want to see what the finished product looks like, uh, especially if we get one in our Macy's. Um, I'd like to see that. Uh, is it going to be, obviously it's going to be a lot smaller than the Toys R Us of old, but you know, how much of our childhood is coming back? So I want to give it a thumbs up, but I want to wait. Tabitha. The fact that they're sticking it in Macy's makes me think it's going to be like the bougie version of Toys R Us. Like they're going to like, they're going to like spell all the words right. And the R is going to be the right way. And <laughs> still are going to have like a cartoony font. It's going to be like, I don't know. Hell's Vecina or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, Jeffrey's got a tie on. I don't know. All the toys are like uh, Montessori approved or whatever. So I'm with Mitch. I'm going to go thumbs up sideways until we know more. Matt. I am going to give a skeptical thumbs up. Um, you know, 1,000 to 10,000 square feet is not a ton, but if they've managed to do something to up their toy sales, and maybe this will draw more consumers into those locations. Let's give it a shot. It still saddens me that Toys R Us standalones no longer exist. Yeah. So if you've seen Thor 4 um, or Thor Love and Thunder, uh, you know what I'm about to talk about. If you haven't, prepare yourself for a post credit spoiler. Brett, uh, Brett Goldstein, AKA Roy Kent on Ted Lasso was revealed as Hercules. However, when he first got the call, Goldstein thought that it was a prank. Uh, in an interview with The Playlist, he talked about how one night he received an invitation to a Zoom meeting uh, where he was told the outline of the scene. When they got to the part where he is revealed as Hercules, Goldstein said, are you serious? Are you effing with me? Is this a windup? Uh, he told The Playlist, it was as surprising to me as I think it has been to other people. Um, giant thumbs up on this. Um, when I saw that postcard scene and like I recognized who he was, I thought it was phenomenal. Um, I love Brett Goldstein and Ted Lasso. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to see more of him as Hercules. Uh, bring it on, Tabitha. Yeah, I have not seen anything but the first two Thor movies, but I like the way this was announced. That's fun. Yeah. Matt. Um, I'm going to give this a thumbs up because I always like it when the actors are excited, as excited to play the characters as we are to see them on screen. Um, and that doesn't always happen. Like some of these actors, like they do it because it's their job, it's what they do. But then you get some of these guys like him that are this excited about his character. Huge thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of uh, knowledge about him or the character besides, you know, what everyone knows about Hercules in general, but the sheer like excitement that he seems to have for this makes me 
excited for him. So thumbs up. Um, we have just about eight minutes left before Zoom cuts us off. We've got two stories left. Um, Matt, real quick, let's talk about Hamilton. So, yeah, Hamilton. Um, so this past weekend, a Texas church performed the musical. Officials behind the musical didn't know that it had happened until after the first two per performances were complete. Yeah, as a little FYI, Hamilton does not grant amateur or professional licenses. So basically, they had no right to do this. Um, they were serviced to cease and desist letter. Um, the other thing is, too, is that they edited some of the content of Hamilton to include lyrical references to both Jesus Christ and Christianity. It gets better because it was finished with a sermon that compared um, homosexuality to addiction to alcohol and drugs. Um, yeah, it's just, it just, the snowball just rolls downhill. Um, the spokesman said that they were not aware of the quote unquote extensive changes, um, or about the sermon that was at the end, because they basically let the performances go the rest of the weekend, as long as they were not streamed, which they had been done originally on the church's website. Um, the church at this point has not responded to outreach from the media, little side note churches do have an exemption for performing copyrighted music during religious services but they cannot stream or distribute so this then you know breaches that um the other small note is that as of i think this morning uh lin-manuel miranda finally chimed in on this um and he said grateful to all of you who reached out about this illegal unauthorized production now lawyers do their work thumbs down to the church thumbs up for lin for his class act response Lydia yeah not only is it wrong to perform something stream something that you have absolutely no rights to do but to take that material and change it basically into whatever your religious propaganda is it's just a huge thumbs down from me like stay in your lane don't do things that are illegal and don't force your religious thoughts into something that doesn't already have it. Yeah. Uh, definite thumbs down to this church. Uh, I really kind I, I want to hear how they did like that part in uh, it's quite uptown where Hamilton talks about not ever really going to church. Um, I, I want to know <laughs> if they changed that. Uh, but yeah, like, don't like, I know, like in school, we probably did some things that we probably shouldn't have done in terms of like, you know, like copyright and that kind of thing, but we didn't stream it. <laughs> you shouldn't have done this. Disney uh, sue them for every dime that they're worth. If nothing else for the horribly out of key King George, uh, Tabitha. Oh, <laughs> Um, I am literally going to go, only going to say thumbs down because if I open my mouth to start talking about this, it's going to get ugly, ugly and we only have like five minutes left. <laughs> we don't have time for all the things that I would like to say about this, um, but giant thumbs down. It's also very hard to get a church in trouble when they don't pay any taxes. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, Matt, we've got about two minutes left to talk about uh, Google and their AI issue? Yeah, so this had come out a little while, like earlier this summer, um, but somebody that worked at Google, um, Blake Lemoyne, shared blogs 
that claimed that Google's AI had become sentient. Um, he interacted with the AI. Um, after he shared his blogs, he was placed on administrative leave. They did an internal investigation. And shock of all shocks, he has now been fired. Um, the reason for his termination is violating the company's employment and data security policies. Okay, I get it, but now it looks kind of questionable. Like, is it sentient? Why are you trying to hide it? Google did say that his claims were wholly unfounded, but um, Lemoyne said in that one conversation with the AI, he asked if it felt it was human and it responded, I mean, yes, of course. <laughs> That's not terrifying at all. No, no. Skynet's already here. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a cover-up on Google's part, and I don't it, like it. It does. Yeah, that is super, super sketch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna be real terrified when you know I ever start asking or you know continue to ask my Google Home to do stuff. I'm gonna start being like extra nice to it. Always say please and thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, there's Google. a reason I refuse to have that kind of stuff in my house. <laughs> okay, What's Google, you're so awesome. Thing. You're so awesome, Google. Waiting for ours to react, but it did not. <laughs> So, all right, that is going to do it for this episode. I almost said issue of the Geek Awakens. That's not right. <laughs> um, we will not be back next week because I have a super important work thing to do. And I know that that sounds like I'm lying, but I'm not. Um, okay. <laughs> so we'll be back in a couple weeks. Uh, in the meantime, check us out on social media. Um, let us know what cool stuff we're missing out on. Any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody, say bye. Bye. bye.